as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back, guys, to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 107, and my name is Davram, and I hope you all are doing well. Good news. Good news. Traveling is done for the time being. The concert is done and went really, really well. The students did a really good job at the concert. Posted some uh, videos and some pictures in the Discord. Uh, if you're in the Discord, if you're not, check out the links down below. Uh, and you can get in the Discord and we chat and all that stuff. And But I shared some pictures on Twitter and, and videos and stuff on Twitter and also in the Discord. Uh, it was a great show. It was a lot of fun. Um, got to work with uh, Nate Morton. Uh, he is the drummer for the NBC uh, TV show The Voice. Um, so he was a great person, uh, really worked well with the students, uh, and just had a blast, uh, working with him for a week, um, on that concert, but really, really well, really proud of all those, uh, all those students and always anxious, um, after it's, it's crazy after 23 years of either being in that group or doing lighting for that group. It's, it's amazing that, um, just to see the talent. Um, in those students every, every single year. It's, it's, it's amazing seeing new people come in uh, and experience that, uh, that concert for the very first time and just blown away that it is a high school uh, uh, group, a high school band. So uh, just a, a blast, but uh, that has nothing to do with Sea of Thieves obviously. And, uh, but, but what does have to do with Sea of Thieves and Pirate Talk Radio is now that that's all done, uh, we're back to a hopefully relatively consistent schedule. Um, as most of the events that I have coming up aren't until June with, uh, uh, with uh, Fest of Legends, uh, a couple charity events throughout the year still to go. But uh, in general, the busy part of the first half of the year is done. So uh, we can get back to a uh, decent uh, stream schedule, a decent release schedule for Pirate Talk Radio. So uh, again, thank you everyone who has been patient uh, through the first couple uh, uh, months here as we get to this, this time where I can get back to a decent uh, schedule. Um, but let's get into uh, this week's episode. We got a lot to cover. Uh, going to talk about uh, your guys's feedback from the last episode and the uh, uh, the question that I asked, which was uh, name me a season that's better than uh, season nine, which we are currently in. So uh, got some uh, some comments back from uh, YouTube uh, and also Discord. So we'll talk about that. Um, I want to talk uh, another teaser I gave last week was talking about live service games. Uh, There's a lot of live service games out there, uh, many of which that I've played. Um, And I want to talk about how Sea of Thieves, in my opinion, uh, compares to those games, Uh, some similarities between those games um, and and some some things that I think Sea of Thieves could learn um, from other studios who've been doing live service games for much longer uh, than Sea of Thieves. Got to talk about 
about the new Disney movie that came out. And yes, there is a reason I'm going to talk about the new Disney movie coming out. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy. Um, you know my feelings about Peter Pan, especially with Sea of Thieves. Uh, but things may change in my mind here a little bit after I watch that movie. Um, so we're going to talk about my thoughts on that movie and why it pertains to Sea of Thieves. And then finally, to round off this episode, we're going to talk about the mystery. We got the video uh, trailer uh, for the new mystery. A lot of questions. Obviously, the the idea of the mystery is for us to solve it, right? So uh, they gave us a little uh, a little teaser, a little hook. A lot of interesting YouTube comments on that, uh, which we'll discuss and talk about. Uh, and then my thoughts on what we may see. As you all know, um, as far as the last mystery was concerned, I didn't engage in it very much at all, um, just because of how it was portrayed. And I, I have a feeling, in general, most people uh, felt that way, um, based on comments and other talks that I've had. So we'll get into the mystery. Um, with it. so it's a jam packed episode, uh, a lot of different variety, but it all pertains, uh, to see if thieves. So let's get started with our thank yous. Uh, first off, I want to thank toasty Tom, uh, for putting in a five star review on Apple podcast. Um, Toasty Tom says, keep it up. Love the content. Whether it's upcoming events or current issues, I always appreciate seeing uh, your opinions on Sea of Thieves. Toasty Tom, thank you very much for that five-star review on Apple Podcast. I do use Chartable uh, for all my podcasting review uh, analysis and all that stuff, uh, and it does post reviews quicker. If you're in the United States, I know I've got listeners throughout the world. Um, but, uh, if, if you're posting from the United States, it, it, it populates into, to chartable pretty quickly. Uh, if you're not in the United States, it does take a little bit of time to populate, but, uh, please do. If you want to earn a shout out on the podcast, five-star review, um, on there and tell me why, uh, you enjoy the podcast and why you're dropping five stars on there. And I will make sure to shout you out. So thank you again, toasty Tom for that five-star review. The other thank you I want to shout out. And I haven't honestly, by the time this releases, I'll probably have sent uh, him a message, uh, to thank him. Um, but, uh, uh, this, this is just outstanding. So, um, my good buddy, listener and uh and someone i sail with uh usually just about every saturday uh big bad pad um sent me i i i can't even describe how awesome this is it is a signed day uh, it's 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 comic it's uh comic cells right it's here i'll show you this see it's a uh, nice cell there and then and I, we'll get them framed and hang hung up in the new studio uh it's about done so uh, we'll get these framed, but it's, um, it's sea of thieves. Like it's a little, little, uh, comic strip of, of, um, of skeletons, like two little short, uh, comic strip. This one's called working as intended. And this one is, uh, everything fine where they, they've beached the, uh, the skeletal galleon, um, up on, on top of a, a shore. So, uh, these are super adorable and they look to be, I mean, literally I'm looking at this. This is obviously print up here. Uh, if you're on the YouTube, you can see it. But they're they're uh, the Sea of Thieves skeletons uh, in different uh, comic <coughs> cells and really funny things um, in here. But this under here looks like it is handwritten um, with pencil and signed uh, by the author. I am not sure uh, who the artist and author are on here. I, I don't know. 
uh, who they are. Maybe Patty can tell me, um, or you probably are all know exactly who they are, and they're gonna you're gonna blow me up in comments, which is fine. Uh, but these are absolutely adorable. I love them, uh, Patty. Thank you very much for sending these uh, to me. Uh, I, I really appreciate those, and like I said, I'll get those framed, and they'll they'll hang up on the new uh, studio wall. So uh, thank you very much, Patty. Uh, and then finally. I want to thank out our supporters, our sponsors, our illustrious and notorious patrons, Skamelt666, Lane, and Regis Stella. Thank you, each and every one of you, for continuing to support with your hard-earned money each and every month to keep this podcast and my content going. I appreciate that very, very, very much. And if you would like to join the notorious and illustrious patron crowd, head over to patreon.com slash TV, and you can check out all the different tiers starting at $1. And that money is very, very helpful. You have no idea how helpful that money is uh, to, to, to keep the, the equipment going and, and pay for things like that, that, that are required to keep the uh, production uh, going for this podcast, uh, hosting services, things like that. So thank you very much uh, to those patrons, um, and I appreciate it very much. We are going to revamp the patron site here very soon um, and and change up the, the perks and change up some of that stuff um, um, just based on some feedback. So it uh, should be really cool. But the nice thing about one of the big things that you get as a patron is you get the episode early. Uh, so when I record this episode... Uh, normally I record it on a Wednesday before release. Um, as soon as I get it recorded and edited, all the patrons get it in a private feed, um, that they can listen to it immediately. Um, and then everyone else has to wait until usually the Saturday or the Sunday after recording, um, to get the, uh, the, the, the release. The other thing the patrons get is they don't have any ads. They don't have YouTube ads. They don't have podcast ads. It's, it's literally, they get just the podcast with no interruptions whatsoever. So, um, really cool, uh, uh feature for them as a thank you um, for what they do for me. <clears throat> so let's dive in uh, to the last episode. I asked the question um, because I personally thought that season nine is the best season that they've done. It's a season that they've needed uh, for a very long time to clean things up. Um, and I was venturing to guess to say, aside from a pirate's life, this is the best season that they've ever done. Uh, in general, people agreed that season nine was pretty good, but had very strong opinions that it wasn't the best season. Uh, and there is one season uh, that was predominantly voted on um, as the best season and the reasons why. So a uh, few comments that were, were really nice here. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole comment. You can check those out on the YouTubes, or if you join the Discord, you can check out the full comment. But first, Sick Style Gaming uh, says season eight, uh, Sick Style is a PvP player so that's why season eight is obviously very important um but i loved this comment which is season nine feels like the house cleaning you do before a big party hopefully season 10 is going to be the big party i've said it several times that i think season 10 is going to be one of those big memorable moments in sea of thieves history uh just based on the history of of where we've been right with a pirate's life with with how they've released things in the past it feels like season 10 is going to be one of those monumental milestones that we remember in Sea of Thieves history. But uh, Six Style Gaming says season eight uh, because they're a, they're a big PvP player.
player. Also from YouTube, Jimmy says season six uh, had a really great uh, explanation on the different seasons from four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, and now nine of why he liked slash disliked uh, the different uh, pieces of each season. But season six, based on what I was reading, uh, seemed to be his favorite season, um, specifically because of Sea Forts and uh, Pirate Legend Voyages. Uh, and and then from the Discord, Jack also said season six uh, for the Pirate Legend Voyages. Um, the seas felt more alive because of the Veil missions, the Pirate Legend Voyages, and also the Sea Forts. Here's the thing. I'll be completely honest with you. I kind of forgot at this point that season six brought us both the PL Voyages and, or the Veil missions, which the PL Voyages, and the Sea Forts. I kind of forgot about that. Um, and though I still won't rank season six in my, um, in my opinion above season nine, um, I will say that season six was definitely one of their best seasons. Um, just because the Jimmy and, and, and Jack are both correct. Uh, it did make the seas more alive. Why? Because there were new voyages to do more check marks to mark off and your, in your, um, and your commendations. Um, uh, with the sea forts and with the veil missions, but also, um, also for the PVP players, the tuckers, the, the sneakers, all those folks, it gave them something to steal both the sea forts and the veil missions, which the veil missions got some pretty creative, uh, tucks and steals on. Um, so that really did bring the seas alive across all all uh, players, uh, regardless of what you were trying to do. Uh, so, yeah, so season six is definitely up there. Um, I, again, it's it's hard for me to to argue either season eight or season six, if that is what you feel to be the best season. It's hard for me to argue that, um, you know, season eight was a whole new system to play. Um, it really was, you know, that PVP engagement season. It was a season that was definitely necessary after the arena closed. Um, and season six also had the, the sea forts and, and the veil missions, um, which made the seas for it feel more alive and gave the PVE players something to mark off their to-do list. So I can't really argue if you feel that those seasons are the best, um, but I will say that season nine, in my opinion, so far has fixed a lot of issues. Has it fixed all the issues? No. Sea of Thieves cannot fix all the issues in a three to four month period. It's just not going to be possible. Um, but they have fixed a lot of things. They put in a lot of quality of life changes. Um, I will still say that I think season nine is the best season aside from a pirate's life, but I cannot argue if you feel that season eight for pvp or season six for the overall you know check marks for pve or or things to do as a pvp player i can't argue that at all um, i think those are definitely definitely high contenders uh for the best seasons that they've done and it really just comes down to personal preference and what you you like to do as i've said many times Sea of Thieves could go an entire year and not add any new events, any new voyages, any new loot, anything. They could spend an entire year just fixing bugs, exploits, cheating, all that fun stuff, really clean up the game, and I would still be extremely happy with the game and still playing multiple hours per week um, because it's a choose-your-own-adventure. Each time I log in, I get to choose what I, I want to do. I get to write my pirate story. I get to do whatever I want. So I could have season nine last 12 months plus and still be happy with the game as long as I'm seeing improvements. With that being said, if we did season nine for five months, six months, 12 months, 
in order for them to clean everything up, the game would also kind of get boring for me because players would stop playing. Why? Because there's a lot of players out there that want new content. Each time that a new season comes out, they want new loot. They want new events. They want new voyages. They want new things to mark off their book as far as what they're doing and, and how they're playing. So though I can say if the seas stayed the same as they are right now, very populated and lots of players to interact with fight and stuff like that. I could honestly say that I would be happy with them doing a quality of life slash bug fix for an entire year. I can say that if what the current population is stayed for that entire year, I would be completely happy because I can make up my own adventures. I can make up my own stories. I can do whatever I want and I'll have fun with it, but not all players. And I would say the majority of players are not like that. The majority of players need that thing that they're checking off. They need that new voyage to do. They need that new, fresh, shiny thing to go after. Um, so Unfortunately, I won't get what I want um, of a very cleaned up game, um, <clears throat> but I think they're well on their way. And if they spend, you know, one to two seasons a year, um, I, maybe one and a half seasons a year doing a quality of life slash update um, slash code cleanup, um, I think most players would be, would would suffer through the lack of content um, in order to do that. Now, with that said, season nine has not not given us content, right? You got the Skull of Destiny. Uh, you've got the new chest. There's there's minor, very minor things to, to, to do um, that are new and fresh that players haven't seen before. Now, there's a lot of folks out there who are very critical on Rare that they put out a season without that stuff. But it's a catch-22 in that those same players are also bitching that the game is busted and broken. You can't have it both ways, okay? Rare does not have an unlimited resource of developers to clean up the code while also developing new code. It's just not possible for them. And I get very frustrated. I rant and rave and get angry that the game is not clean and their updates are not clean. But I do also live in reality and understand that they have to cater to both sides. They have to spend the time to clean up the stuff, but they also have to build new content. And, and of course I challenge them every single time they put out new content and it's busted, broken or breaks other things. But I'm going to talk about live service games here in a minute and talk to you why that's the case. And, and sea of thieves is not the only game out there who suffers from this. Um, just about every single live service game that I've ever played and ever know of, uh, suffers from this. They're, is differences between what they do and what rare does at sea of thieves. And I think again, rare can learn a lot, but I think rare needs to continue this cadence of a season to a season and a half every single year to continue to clean up the code. The more you clean up and the more clean code you do, the less of that season season and a half you'll have to do. You may, if you do a good job uh, on your, on your new stuff, and don't break the old stuff or introduce new broken things that break too bad, you should be able to reduce that down and maybe just put like, you know, one patch per season, one large patch per season is cleanup, right? And then you're good. But I don't know. We'll see what their cadence continues to be um, as we see future roadmaps and, and future things like that. But <clears throat> But uh, uh, thank you guys uh, again for the comments and the feedbacks and the voting. Um, I appreciate that very much. Uh, and, and like I said, I think you all 
put in enough detail and enough information uh, that I can't disagree that those are your favorite seasons. I will still say that, in my opinion, season nine's better, um, but I can't disagree with your reasonings and why you enjoyed those seasons and have those seasons at the top of your list. So live service games. Let me just give you some examples of live service games that I've played. World of Warcraft, Destiny 2, Sea of Thieves, Guild Wars 2, Planet Side 2, um, and the list goes on, right? I am an MMO player. Uh, New World would be another example. I am an MMO player. I love games that have lots of people in it. I don't like single-player games. I like watching people play single-player games, but I do not enjoy playing them. I need that social interaction in a video game. I live alone. I'm single. Yeah, how you doing? Um, I live alone, and I'm single, okay? The only social interaction I have is with my coworkers and my cats, Coworkers, it's all about work. It's not personal, uh, you know, it's not it's not anything but work. My cats are cats. That's not social interaction. Okay? It's not social interaction. I go to the gym in the mornings and and it's like 5 a.m. 4 4:30 to 5 a.m. I'm at the gym. Guess what? Most people are just focused on their workout if the gym has any people in it. Period, right? So my social interaction is video games. That is my escape, and that is my ability to communicate to other people, which is why MMOs and live service games I am very much drawn to. Um, it doesn't even have to have voice. It can have text chat. I don't care. Um, as long as I have the ability to see other players in the world and interact with other players that are not NPCs. Here's the issue with live service games. And all of those large titles that I just read, from World of Warcraft to Guild Wars 2 to even Planetside, which has been out forever, um, you know, all of them have the same issue. Clean code, right? Clean code. Now, World of Warcraft has Blizzard behind it. Blizzard Activision, now Microsoft. That is a huge, right? My, my, again, Microsoft, hmm. Microsoft also has Sea of Thieves. But Blizzard Activision, first it was Blizzard, then it was Blizzard Activision, now Blizzard Activision owned by Microsoft, right? It's it's grown, but Blizzard is still the entity. Microsoft is not going to be like, oh, we have Blizzard Activision, let's give them a crap ton of people in order to work on World of Warcraft. No, Microsoft is acquiring them to help support them, fix some of the issues that are like political internal issues, and make money off of them. It's just like Rare, right? Rare is a Microsoft studio. It's not like Microsoft is saying, hey, let's send an army of developers to Rare so they can beef up Sea of Thieves. No, they're like, you have a product. You developed this product. It is a Microsoft studio. We're going to make money off that. We're going to support you the best way we can. But they're not sending an army of developers, right? And the difference between Blizzard, Blizzard Activision, now Blizzard Activision Microsoft, and Rare is team size. Rare and Sea of Thieves is a much smaller team than Blizzard Activision Microsoft, right? Much smaller team. But Blizzard still has issues. Blizzard has balancing issues on their patches. Blizzard has performance issues on their patches. Blizzard has... Everything, bugs, exploits, they've got it all. Destiny 2, Bungie, now owned by Sony. 
they have the same thing. Bugs, exploits, cheaters, dirty code, balancing issues. Guild Wars 2, Planet Side, they all are in the same boat. Why? Because the players of today, me less so, but there are so many players out there and we have so many great video games out there that live service games have both a benefit and a hindrance. Okay. The benefit is they can continually push out new content. The detriment is they have to continually push out new content, right? Let's take a game like God of War. God of War, they make an amazing game. They put it out there. You buy it, done. Okay? They may do DLCs, you know. They might do a God of War 2, 3, 4, depending on, you know, what it is. But they make the game, they ship it, and it's done. Except for maybe DLCs. But it's done. You spend the time, you spend the money, you spend the development, you make a game, it's clean, it's nice, ship it. You also have a game like Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk was not clean at release, it was ugly at release, and they pushed out an update to help fix things, and now, apparently, it's a better game. Live service games can't just ship the game and be done with it. They have to have a cadence of updates that provide new content, new engaging experiences. May it be dungeons, may it be raids, may it be seasonal content, may it be a cycling PVP event, whatever the case may be, live service games must continue to put out content to keep the players because their entire model of making money is you spending money either on a subscription, World of Warcraft, Seasonal Pass, Destiny 2, Sea of Thieves, monthly subscription, Guild Wars 2, Planet Side 2, access to exclusive or or paid for content, all of them. Right? Pets, trinkets, toys, armor color, cosmetics. They depend on that money to do things. A game like like God of War, they build the game, they ship the game, you buy the game, and then that money is used to make their next game. That's not how live service games work. Live service games must maintain servers. They must maintain all the inner workings that go behind the scenes, anti-cheat. Like I said, the servers Everything that the communication systems, it's a constant work because it's not just, well, and again, nowadays you don't really get hard copies anymore, but it's not just you craft the code, put it on a disc and ship it. Nowadays it's a download, but you don't do that with a live service game. So they need that constant revenue in order to keep all the operational costs covered and to cover future content development. I don't think I'm explaining anything that, that you all don't know already. But what happens then is there's all these great games out there. Elden, Elden Ring has, 
some, you know, interaction peer to peer stuff, but it's still, in my opinion, not a live service game because it's, it's, you buy it, you ship it, you're done. You know, you've got games like, um, I'll use it again. God of war. You've got like the solo campaign of halo. You've got age of empires. You've got Jurassic park. You know, you've got all these games that are, you ship it. It, it works just on your computer. It doesn't have to have connections to servers and matchmaking and all this stuff. You get it, you play it, you're done with it. Those, those, those companies, they care about that initial influx of cash from the, the selling of their finished product. It's like going to a restaurant, you order dinner, you eat it, you pay your bill, you're done with that meal. A live service game is a game that gives you a small nugget and you eat your nugget and it's tasty. And then next month they give you another nugget. And then next month they give you a pepperoni and the next month they give you a slice of pizza next month. They give you a Twinkie and it's like, you never get the full meal in one sitting. They're designed to give you pieces of the meal over time. So for them, it's, it's, it's important to see how many players buy their game right off the bat or buy their expansion or buy their DLC. That's important because that's an influx of money. But what they now have to care about is not how many copies of the game are initially sold. They have to care about how many players are continuing to log in month after month. There's only a few ways namely one that you can continue to get players to log in month after month. And that is new content. And what that does is you are working on content six months down the road, 12 months down the road. Maybe it's a whiteboard. Maybe it's sticky notes. Maybe it's a notepad, whatever the case may be. You are working on this content way ahead of time. While content is being released, while you're trying to, 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 to build the next iteration, that's going to be released three months from now or two months from now, while you're planning what's going to be released 12 months from now. And you have to keep this going. And because you have to keep this going and you have to keep those player numbers high, because if you don't keep your player numbers high, you don't get that returning monthly revenue to keep your studio or your IP going. There's a reason that there are games out there that do eventually shut down live service games that eventually shut down. Why? Because they're not generating the monthly revenue to support the continued development because their player numbers are dropping. And when they can't support the continued development, players continue to drop. It's a vicious cycle. It's live service games are some of the best games out there, but they're also the games that take some of the highest, you know, critiques because 
their code isn't always clean. It's normally not clean because they're having to push out so much in order to keep that cycle going, keeping fresh stuff going into the the ecosystem in order to keep players playing, money coming in so they can develop the next thing, and it's just a cycle. It's both good and bad. It's both good for the players because we're constantly getting new stuff to do, but it's also bad for the players because none of the stuff is, is neatly packaged and nice and clean and done. So then how do how do these studios handle that? So let's start with Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves does their seasonal release, their big update, right? If something is in a critical state, they might do a a patch, a weekly patch, but it doesn't happen very often. And then they will have a smaller patch each month of the season to kind of do a little bit more. And it kind of works. A game like Destiny or a game like World of Warcraft, they have weekly patches. And I have played MMOs like WoW, EverQuest, Planetside, and Destiny for a very long time. I'm talking since I was 13 years old, I've been playing this type of game. And I will say that the games that usually have the cleanest code or have the cleanest and healthiest player base are the games that have a a weekly reset, a weekly reset of the servers to make sure everything's fresh and that time in order to push any updates and code fixes that they may be working. Again, they have larger teams than Sea of Thieves, but I think Sea of Thieves I don't know why, but I feel like they have a resistance to a weekly patch or a weekly reset. We saw it in season eight when they knew there were issues with blunder bombs. They knew there were issues with Q times. They stated in the SOP podcast that they knew these were going to be issues, but it took them weeks, months to implement fixes, even though they knew they were going to be issues. Now, again, that probably comes down to staffing. It probably comes down to prioritization. I don't know the inner workings. It needs to be cleaned up, though, as I've talked about. But I think Sea of Thieves would benefit from learning from a Destiny, from learning from a World of Warcraft, of having some sort of weekly reset where they at least just restart the servers so we don't have memory leaks in the code. Or if there's a memory leak there, a restart of the server corrects it and at least keeps the servers more healthy and more stable. And yes, they are using servers that shut down every couple days and that's fine. But over the course of a season, everyone knows that the the, the game gets more janky the longer the season goes. It's, it's gotten better, but you can still tell at the beginning of a season, Things feel smooth. When you get to the final month, weeks of the season, things start to feel uh, janky, desync, worse hit reg, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is, has to be some sort of memory leak or issue in the code that degrades over the course of the season and then gets reset at the beginning of the season. And I feel like if they did whatever they do to the servers where they pull the lever and turn everything off at the end of the, at the end of the season to upload the new season and then flip that switch back on and everything feels fresh and clean and smooth and healthy. They need to do that on a weekly basis because world of Warcraft has done it for since the beginning of time. Destiny two has done it since the beginning of time. 
EverQuest did it, and it is annoying. It is annoying because you have to pick a time, and some players, that's going to affect their primetime gaming. But here's the thing. I would rather it affect my primetime gaming and have healthy servers throughout the week, throughout the season, than to have to wait till the end of the season to have this done. So I think there's some learnings there that Rare could take from other live service games who've done this a lot longer. See, Rare has been around for a while, but this is their first live service game attempt. They're now on year five. World of Warcraft has been out for what? Since, tw- since 2004? Destiny has been out since, God, if you count Destiny 1, Jesus, a very long time. The fact of the matter is there is a lot of experience in those larger studios that they've learned and proven to work that I think Rare should at least consider um, looking at that and saying, huh, how can we, we, let's not steal their exact cycle, but maybe there's something we can learn from their, their weekly resets, their weekly cycles that we could then make it our own and, and better our experience for our players. The other thing that Rare struggles with when it comes to Sea of Thieves that these other companies have have are, are do much better with, and that's communication and transparency. Now, I respect and I love Mike and Joe and all those guys who keep everything kind of shrouded from us, so it's it's a little bit of a surprise. But every just about every week, Destiny releases a state of the game. It's called the TWAB. World of Warcraft releases dev notes like just about every single week where you get to learn what are they working on and what is their next step. And they go into detail. Like for Destiny, weapon perks, armor perks, armor changes, weapons going out. And again, Destiny has a lot more bits and pieces than Sea of Thieves, where Sea of Thieves has, you know, you've got cannons, you've got your throwables, you've got your 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 sniper, your pistol, your blunder, your sword. There's far less weapons in Sea of Thieves than World of Warcraft and Destiny. But it's nice that the developers of World of Warcraft, of Destiny, of Guild Wars, of Planetside are pushing out communications on almost a weekly basis so players know here are the open issues we're looking at here's our roadmap for what's coming in the next couple weeks here's our roadmap for what's coming next season here's our roadmap for what's coming in the next dlc they don't have to get super specific on some of this stuff i mean we still have two or three weeks left in the destiny season and they're just now starting they're like hey by the way Here's some changes coming to armor. Here's some changes coming to weapons. Here's some changes coming to activities. Here's some changes coming in season 21, three weeks from now. Here's some teasers. And I think that type of cadence would be really good. But the problem is Sea of Thieves can't even keep a podcast cadence. They can't even keep a podcast cadence. They promise that they're going to do monthly podcasts. Then they do it for like two months and then all of a sudden it's dead. And then it comes back and they do it for a couple months and then it's dead. And and they always make the joke, oh, we're back. You know, we're going to get back on a cadence and they never do. Or they, they get on it for a while. I feel like Rare has a very hard time um, and maybe it's, it's staffing, maybe it's prioritization and leadership. I don't know, but they have a very hard time staying consistent in what they are attempting to do. May it be a podcast, may it be content, may it be whatever. And I think it's there. They're trying to pave a road in live service games for themselves, which is fine. 
but there is a lot of best practices and things that have worked for other games for a lot longer than Sea of Thieves has been around, and they need to tap into that. I don't know about you, but I'm, I do this weekly show. Captain Logan does Killed Hall podcast on a weekly basis. If we could get some like patch notes, some roadmap notes, no matter how expansive and detailed or how secretive and just little blurbs that would be so nice because some people don't go on Twitter and read. Some people don't go on their website and read. Some people tune into YouTube. Some people tune into podcasting, whatever the case may be. And having that not only empowers the content creators to provide the content, the news, but it also allows those players who want to deep dive into that stuff to know what is coming up and get excited about it. I've been, I haven't like last night was the first time I got to play a video game in a month and a half, a month and a half. I think I might've got to sit down and play a little bit, um, here and there, but in general, sitting down and having a gaming session, I know it's, I I haven't gamed in at least two and a half, if not three weeks, but I'm pretty sure I haven't really gamed too much in a month and a half. And I finally got to sit down last night and play. But you know what? I've been keeping up with Sea of Thieves podcast, with Destiny podcast, with World of Warcraft news. I've been even though I don't I haven't played WoW in years, I keep up with that stuff. Why? Because it gets me excited about what's coming next, either as a content viewer, a content maker, or a game player. It gets me excited knowing what that studio has coming and not just waiting for a teaser trailer that comes a week before something or a few days before something. That's nice and fun and gets me hyped up at the end, but there's no way I can complete this stuff in destiny. I burnt myself out hard last season in destiny. And so I've, I haven't done much at all this season, but I've kept up with the news and that news has kept me excited to at least dabble in it as much as I can between now and then. Sea of Thieves goes through some of these periods where it's like radio silence aside from Sea of Thieves shot and pictures and a little rat and some screenshots and some random tweets that say booty aisle with a picture, right? Like those are cool and fun, but how about some more information? How about you keep players excited about what's coming next? Because if I'm excited about what's coming next, there's a better chance that I'm going to continue playing your game through the bad times, through the dark times, through the slow times. If I know what's coming next and I have kind of a consistent communication and transparency from the studio. So I think, I think sea of thieves is trying, but I think their mistake right now is they're not reaching out and learning from other live service games who do it better and who have done it longer. They don't have to copy them. They don't have to copy them. In fact, I would encourage they don't copy them because Sea of Thieves has a very unique way of doing things that I love and I appreciate. Don't copy them, but see what they do and see if there's somehow you can adapt it to your system to make your system better, more consistent, more communicative, more transparent, and keep us players excited to continue to play so the player numbers don't drop, making the seas feel dead, which means more players leave until the new content releases. So, I was wrong. What? 
No one record that. I don't want to hear that on a clip. I don't want anyone to quote it, but I was wrong. I said a few weeks ago, and I've talked to many people about this. I am very against Peter Pan and Sea of Thieves. I've said it. I've been honest about it. I don't think it's a fit. Because when I think of Peter Pan, I think of the movie Hook. And I am very passionate because Hook is one of my favorite movies. I think it's the best rendition of Peter Pan that they've ever done. Even better than the animated. Dustin Hoffman is the best Captain Hook I've ever seen. And I don't want I don't want to be upset with Sea of Thieves if they put that in there. I've come to the realization that Peter Pan and Captain Hook are going to come to Sea of Thieves at some point because of the Disney partnership and because of many hints that we've seen. I just don't want it until now. Before my show, actually it was after a a late night rehearsal and light programming, I got home and I wasn't sleepy, so I did something very rare for me, (laughs) pun intended, I turned on a movie. I uh, tell people and they don't believe me, I don't watch a lot of movies, I don't watch very many TV shows, I've got too much going on, I never have enough time in my days to get what I need done, but I got home, I didn't really feel like doing anything, so I watched a movie. And I pulled up Disney Plus. And under Disney Plus's new releases, there was a movie called Peter Pan and Wendy, which is a brand new movie that Disney just put out that is a live action Peter Pan movie. And I immediately went into this with the wrong attitude, which is I immediately went into this going, I'm going to hate this movie because it's not Hook. I went into it with the wrong attitude. And unfortunately, it's something we all do. It's something that it's the same attitude I went into when people started to talk about Peter Pan coming to Sea of Thieves. When I saw that glowing black pearl fly into the fly off into the gold portal, I immediately was pissed off because I was like, that's a hint at Peter Pan and this sucks. And that's the that was the wrong mindset. I will admit it. It was the wrong mindset. I'm not going to spoil the movie, but if you have Disney plus or have the ability to watch Peter Pan and Wendy, um, I strongly suggest you watch it. I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the hook, but he was a hook. Here is why I liked this movie. It was a live action version of the animated show. They got all the nodes, right? As far as hitting, um, the humor, um, hitting the crocodile, hitting Captain Hook. They hit on all the right nodes of bringing, and Disney's done this a lot with Beauty and the Beast and, and, and several other movies, taking what they had in the animated version and converting it into a live action. Some have been successful, some have not been successful. I deem this one successful. And I know there's some, some people out there who were not happy about how Neverland looked, and et cetera, et cetera. But this is the reason I liked this movie. When they got to Neverland and you saw the island of Neverland for the first time, the first thing I said was, that looks like Sea of Thieves. That looks like an island in Sea of Thieves. When I saw the galleon, Captain Hook's Jolly Roger galleon, That looks like Sea of Thieves. 
when I saw the fighting, the sword fighting, that looks like Sea of Thieves. The exploration of Neverland from the different ruins that they went through where the Lost Boys and Peter Pan stayed, that looked like Sea of Thieves. The giant crocodile, which it was a live-action crocodile, oversized live-action crocodile, but it still had kind of the goofy humor uh, in it, like the animated series, that looked like a crocodile that I would see in Sea of Thieves. And then they captured Tinkerbell and put Tinkerbell in a little box lantern. It had glass sides. It wasn't solid. And I said, well, it kind of looks like the treasure box that we got Captain Jack, only his box was solid. This was glass. Huh. Then the glass and Tinkerbell, it broke on the floor of the ship. And Tinkerbell proceeded to put pixie dust all over the ship, which made the ship glow gold and take flight. That looked like Sea of Thieves. And I sat there and I watched the whole movie. And at the end of the movie, I actually said, and again, I said, I live alone and I'm single. So this is weird. I turned to my cat who was cuddled up next to me and I said, all right. Peter Pan can come into Sea of Thieves if they do it like that. The the island, the ruins, the adventure, the ship, the fighting, the interaction, the comedy, the goofiness. It was all there. It was Sea of Thieves, but it was Peter Pan. If they could do Peter Pan and Sea of Thieves like Peter Pan and Wendy the movie, I think I could swallow my pride around having Dustin Hoffman as the voice of Hook and having that Hook. Even if they got that the Hook from Peter Pan and Wendy, which again, I wasn't a huge fan of, the outfits were great. Shmi was great. It was all Sea of Thieves. I could I I felt like if you if you scratched off if you scratched off Peter Pan and Wendy and you put Sea of Thieves, the movie, I would have been like, huh, that's cool. They went on an adventure. They had a voyage. There were people they found. There were fighting going on. There was a giant sea monster that ate people. It was a crocodile. There was this cool pirate ship. There was a fly. I was like, huh, okay, that's Sea of Thieves. Cool. Like the movie was perfect for Sea of Thieves. So I'll take my L, I'll take my loss in this column and say, if they can execute Peter Pan and Captain Hook into Sea of Thieves like that movie, and the movie is is designed from art style to everything exactly like what is needed in Sea of Thieves for that, I'd be happy. I'd legit be happy. If you haven't watched the movie, go check it out. It's on Disney Plus, Peter Pan and Wendy, the new Peter Pan movie from Disney. Check it out. It just felt, it was Sea of Thieves. It was truly Sea of Thieves. There's a lot of things you could you can critique about it. There, If you're a Peter Pan fanatic, there's a lot of things you're probably not going to like about it. Um, I know even some of the folks from the Rare studio were commenting about how Neverland didn't look as m- magical enough and et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's, that's true. But 
It looked like Sea of Thieves, and I was loving it. I was loving it. Speaking of Captain Hook, the new mystery has been announced. The Hoarder's Hunt. Now, the Hoarder, being the Gold Hoarder, it's a very interesting uh, trailer that they had. It was very well done. Um, it was definitely in that kind of old school black, white, um, like murder chalk um, style. I didn't like the. I don't like the Sea of Thieves logo with the cyberpunk X's on it. I know it's supposed to be the that art style like chalk and like X marks the spot type thing. Look, it looks like you just cyberpunk your logo it doesn't look good and and i know there's a lot of people who jumped on it and did that to their twitter logos look that x the, the whole x thing it just looks that yellow and that x just looks like cyberpunk to me uh stop it just stop it but i was very intrigued by this video it's a very short video if you haven't watched it yet sea of thieves uh youtube has it um, and it's very well done. There is a new voice actor that we haven't heard before, um, that, that voices throughout the entire thing. Um, but it's not the gold hoarder that we know of right now. Uh, and I went through a lot of the YouTube comments and, and, you know, people believe that it is going to be about the gold hoarder. Look, it's a mystery. Okay. It's a mystery. Look at how much back and forth. We had on the first mystery with the clues from who killed who and who's dead and who's this and back and forth and who killed DeMarco and all that stuff. It's not going to be that easy just because it's called the hoarders hunt does not mean it's about the gold hoarder exclusively. It's a mystery. There's going to be t turns left and right. There's going to be, a, oh, I know what it is. And then it's going to flip on its head, just like the last mystery did. But the voice that we heard is not the gold shiny. It's not that. It is a normal human voice. So there's a lot of thoughts here that I saw in the YouTube comments that I thought were quite interesting. Could it be Rathbone? Could this be a a uh, um, a step through time? Could we be learning the story of Rathbone as he becomes the Gold Hoarder? So could that be Rathbone's uh, voice? Could it be the Captain? Could it be Captain Hook? Could it be someone from outside the game? Obviously, Captain Hook is outside the game, but the comic books. There's an extended universe out there of Sea of Thieves, from comic books to Heart of Fire um, to a lot of different things out there. Could it be something, someone who's not in the game? One of the comments mentioned, and I tried to do some research, but I couldn't find it. Apparently, there was a gold hoarder that was killed in the comic books. Could it be that? Don't know. But it was a really cool voice, and the the video was done really well. And there was a lot of, um, I think, themes that we could pick up on. One of the things that we could pick up on very quickly, both on the thumbnail and throughout the video, was there was a there was a what appeared to be a pirate captain 
with a shovel and a hook. And there appeared to be another pirate that had a piece of treasure or something in their hand. And it appears that the captain with the shovel and the hook is, is either walking with behind or chasing the person with the treasure. But the thing is throughout everything is those characters have strings attached to them and the strings are attached to hands like the, there, there is a puppeteer that's orchestrating what's going on. I saw that captain Falcor commented on the, uh, the video saying that the hands represent the captain who is playing the puppeteer in the sea of thieves, orchestrating everything that's going on from outside with his influence. Possibly. What I would like to know is Joe neat in the last sea of thieves podcast mentioned that there were some legal things that they were working out before they could start this event, uh, this, this mystery, which is why it has been delayed until now. My question is, what is that that they're working out? Could it be with Disney? And this could be captain or captain hook. Could it be with another IP? Who knows? But I would like to know, and we'll know by the end, what they were working out. Um, But it appears that those have now been settled and we are moving forward with this mystery. I did have a favorite YouTube comment, though. Speaking of working with other IPs, which ties right back up to the live service game comments that I had earlier. This is the great, this is a great comment because first off it hits on multiple loves for me. Uh, this was from hell Falcon six, six, six on YouTube imprisoned for 10,000 years banished from my own homeland. You are not prepared. Illidan from world of Warcraft. It's not possible. It's not happening. But if uh, Illidan is my favorite character of World of Warcraft, he has been my favorite character before he became the 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 blade wielding demon that he becomes. When he was just an elf, he was one of my fa- he was like my favorite character. So the fact that someone took the voice that was that was in the in the video, and 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 the legal issues, IPs. All right, let's go with World of Warcraft. You know, based on what he's saying about being cold and all this stuff, and let's just throw Illidan in there. Love it, absolutely love that comment. It's not going to happen, but I, I look. I love the creative trying. But there was definitely a theme going on throughout all the the comments from the different people who were engaging with this video. And that is there were three there were three kind of main feedback or trends that you could see throughout one. The people who engage with that video, which in my opinion are going to be your diehard players, right? Your casual player, they're not going to really even know the mystery is happening because they're not on Twitter. They're not following social media. They're not going to the Sea of Thieves website. They're not following Sea of Thieves on YouTube. They're just playing the game when they want to play it. But these are players who are engaged in the mystery, who are engaged in Sea of Thieves, who have like a attachment to the game. There was a trend of no social media engagement this time. Just have it in game. 
We know for a fact, based on what they've already said, that they've learned from last time, but that this mystery will yet again be an in-game and out-of-game experience. So, obviously those folks didn't listen to the Sea of Thieves podcast, but I can kind of understand. And I think listening to some other podcasts and listening to some other content creators, I believe in general, most people feel that the biggest failure of the last um, mystery was we didn't know how to push it forward. And we had to engage in social media in order to do so. So I hope that they really look at those comments. They really look at the feedback from the last one and, and they really pull back from that social media engagement as the driving force for the mystery. I really hope they do. The second one, which again, we, I, I can tell you that they're going to do social media engagement, so it's going to happen. I just hope they pull it back. The second one is time gating. Look, they're going to time gate this. They're not going to release it all in there and have people figure it out in a day or two and have video walkthroughs of it. Okay. This is supposed to be a social experience that lasts weeks or months. Okay. It's not supposed to happen. Like some people burn through sea of thieves content right now in the first two days, right? It's so just get over it. There is going to be time gating. I know I don't like time gating. I know a lot of people don't like time gating, but at the end of the day, it is supposed to be a fun social experience for the entire community. And if someone cracks it in two days and puts a walkthrough out there, it, some people who are actually trying to go through it are going to get spoiled and it's not going to be as enjoyable. And it's going to be content that's blown through like a lot of their other content that they put in game. So I hope that they look at that and they, they think about their time gating um, because the last adventure definitely drug on a, way too long because of time gating, um, because of the social media uh, engagement. But hopefully they learned from it and, and hopefully they're going to be able to, um, to, to adjust those things to make it feel better for us, the players. Last time was the first attempt. A lot of learnings from that. They've had a lot of learnings from the adventures and the adventures in different aspects have improved as time has gone on. So I'm hoping this being their second attempt, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be negative feedback. There are going to be issues, but hopefully some of the major issues from the last one have been resolved and we're moving in a positive direction like we did with the adventure. But now on a positive note, there is a lot of excitement. There were a lot of comments on the YouTube video release of people excited about this adventure, speculations of who that could be, speculations on what this mystery is going to be about, speculations on is it going to be the Gold Hoarder? Are we going to somehow learn about Wrathbone? Are we going to utilize the Gold Hoarder's Veilstone eyes to peer into the, the, into other worlds and learn things, you know, there was a lot of excitement and a lot of speculation and a lot of people saying, this is what I would like to see. This is super cool. I hope we get to see this. There is a lot of excitement around this. And that's what this video I think was meant to do. The last adventure or the last mystery was kind of lame and a bust, even though at a cool ending, And I think the thought was there. The story was there. It was just executed really poorly. I love this video. 
I love how they're hyping us up for it. And you could see that in the comments that people are excited about this. I hope that this is not a one and done video. I think Captain Logan said it, it, it very well on one of his last podcasts with Behaving Beardly and, and Beardly uh, agreed as well is some sort of weekly or every other week video, uh, a kind of like a, a murder mystery type thing where, where um, uh, someone comes on and they're like, you know, this week in the sea of thieves mystery and kind of rattles off what happened in the last week or this last month in the sea of thieves mystery and kind of rattles things off. They did that. I think one time in the last mystery, don't make them long videos, like five minute videos, three minute videos. Just give us like a quick one minute recap of what's happened this week. Maybe even throw in a little hint of how to progress the story forward. Um, I think that would go a long way. I completely agree with Logan and Beardley on that. And I think that would be a really cool way to, to push the story forward, especially if you're depending on social media engagement, if you're, if you're depending on that with a time gate, if you had the ability to kind of put little hints and feelers out there to help people drive that mystery forward, um, I think people would enjoy that a little bit because then not only are you analyzing what you're finding in game, not only are you analyzing the clues on social media, but now you're also getting an audio cue or something on, on, on the video as they're rattling off what has happened. You're also getting another, um, engagement point, um, for players to pick up on and see if they can't figure out the next clue. So I think that would be a great idea. All that I know is people are excited, but people also do not want the experience they had for the last event or the last mystery. And I don't blame them. So it begins on May 11th. So by the time this podcast release, this mystery will already be underway by a couple days. So I hope you're getting out there. I hope you're solving the clues because God only knows I'm not going to be solving the clues. I will give you every update and I will go to all the different websites as much as I can to provide you information about the mystery as it unfolds. But homie, I don't got time to get in there and get my little magnifying glass out and put my, my, uh, my, my Sherlock Holmes hat on and my little pipe. I don't got time for that. Um, so I will try to provide you as much updates as I can on pirate talk radio. Uh, so you can go along with the adventure and tell you where you can find this kind of stuff. But I would like to know, I would like to know, put it in the comments, put it in the discord, tweet at me, send me an email. Don't care. Reach out to me. Tell me who you think the voice is. Who do you think the character is that the voice was coming from in the um, video? Is it Captain Hook? Is it Rathbone? Is it Hector the Gold Hoarder? Is it someone else? Who do you think the person that was talking to us in that video was? Are they the puppeteer? Who knows? You tell me in the comments um, and all that stuff. Please do like subscribe, give that thumbs up, turn the notification bells on, subscribe to the YouTube if you haven't done so already. Remember, you can earn a shout out each and every week um, if you put in a five-star review. I guess I shouldn't say each and every week. When you put in your five-star review and it shows up on Chartable, some of your reviews will be delayed, you will get a shout out and a thank you from me on the uh, show that it shows up on. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Woo. That was like, oh God, it's coming again. Oh, nope, nope. It's gone now. But guys, thank you very much for listening. Next week, a little teaser for next week. 
Um, I've gotten several uh, messages from folks um, over the the past week and a half uh, that they would like me to dive into. It was already on my list, by the way. Um, uh, They would like me to dive into the recent news article that was released about captaincy changes coming to the game. Next week, we will be diving into that, and I will give you my opinion on what I feel these captaincy changes mean for the game. Are they good? Are they bad? Um, Are they in between? We'll find out. But guys, thank you very much for watching. As always, thank you for listening. All that fun stuff. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next week on Pirate Talk Radio.